You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1337 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening, October 28th. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes, of course, places like Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, as well as on the video side. We are on YouTube for your listening and viewing pleasure. And today's show, we'll get into a 136 to 112 win for the Hawks on the road in Detroit. They win there for the second time in the last three days, sweeping the mini series against the Pistons at Little Caesars Arena. And uh, lots to get to from this one, but basically the headliner being the offense was dominant in this game. The Hawks had about a 140 offensive rating in the competitive portion of the game. And no matter who, uh, what NBA team you're playing against, basically, um, that context free is impressive enough. Pistons are not great necessarily, let's just say that at the top of the podcast, but the Hawks did play very, very well. Troy Young was masterful in this one. They had good balance. The bench was better for the Hawks in this one as well, as we'll dive into throughout the course of this podcast. But defensively, it was a bit of a struggle early on, but they definitely tightened up things and from the halftime point on. And the offense kind of pulled things away, and that really was a wire-to-wire dominant effort on the offensive side of the floor for the Hawks. So we'll dive into the game now, but that's sort of the headliners of this one. As for the sort of deeper context, the Pistons were actually in a better spot on paper than they were on Wednesday when the Hawks won a, a closer game because Jaden Ivey came back for Detroit, their lottery pick from this year, and also they were not on a back-to-back like they were on Wednesday when the Hawks had a rest advantage in that first game. This time around, all of the rest stuff was equal. Both teams have been in Detroit since Wednesday, no back-to-backs, any of that stuff, and the Hawks were also have, having the same injury report. But some pregame context here, actually some during-the-game context as well, the Hawks were only without Bogdanovich. In this game, no surprise there. He's been out all season long. No indications of him being super close to being back. But there was a little bit more uh, in terms of updates that actually arrived during and before this game. Because, um, interestingly enough, Dominique Wilkins, friend of the podcast, friend of everyone in the, in the Hawks country, Hall of Famer, etc., was uh, not feeling well and could not do the game today for Ballet Sports House Heats. Certainly hope that Nick is feeling better by now. But, uh, friend of the show and frequent listener and former guest Bob Rathbun was on the call as always. And uh, he was actually joined by two prominent guests during the game. They had Bogdanovich on the, on the, uh, on the broadcast. And also they had Travis Schlenk and Travis not spoken to the media for a long time. Basically since they hired Landry Fields and promoted him to GM, Travis has not done the public facing stuff that he normally has done. So uh, over the course of this game, a little bit more in terms of like, Nuggets that are sort of getting out there than uh, usual because of the fact that Bogey spoke for a long time on the broadcast, and so did Travis. And uh, as for this right now, Travis sort of said the normal stuff that you might think. He said it was an easy decision to um, draft AJ Griffin after he fell to them, and the Hawks had, had him higher on their board. No surprise there. He also, he also described the Murray trade as an easy decision after he became available. Also, I kind of believe that. And he talked about like having that extra bowl handler throughout the game, and he, he basically did the entire half of, uh, of uh, broadcasting. But the big thing was the Bogdanovich updates. So Bogey said on his broadcast appearance that his knee is feeling better, but he also called it a mental challenge and a grind as he continues to rehab from that offseason surgery. No necessarily like timetables, but he certainly seemed to be in decent spirits, said it was uh, you know not in pain, et cetera. That's all, that's all positive now, sort of the mental hurdles. And it's something we can never really fully understand from the outside. And I always, always try not to put yourself into it because pro, pro athletes are just different. 
and other bodies. And there's a mental component to all of this stuff. You have to be able to, be able to trust that knee and trust that leg in a way that we cannot really understand on the outside, not having played professional sports. So that's part of this as well. Obviously, he's getting a little bit more um, frequent in terms of his um, workouts on that stuff. In fact, Travis Schlenk said later on in the broadcast that tonight was the first time that Bogdanovich had done any one-on-one drills. That's a positive. That's close. It's not quite the same as playing three-on-three or five-on-five, but it's, it's a step forward for Bogey. And the quote from Travis is, quote, we're going to start reintegrating him into practices when we get back off this road trip, end quote. So we'll see. That's not really a timetable, but it is more than we knew before, and uh, Bogey would certainly help. Obviously, in this game, they didn't necessarily miss him as much, but in the first four games, it was very obvious to me and others that they really do miss Bogey's shooting in particular on the second unit, his creation. And uh, generally speaking, Bogey's a top 100 player when he's healthy. So having that guy back to kind of make all the units make a little bit more sense is very helpful, and that's sort of the latest on all of that stuff. Anyway, Last thing before we get to the actual game itself, the Hawks were favored in this game, as you might expect, even on the road. Our friends at Bet Online, a sponsor of this podcast, of course, had the Hawks as a six-point favorite on the road. For reference, on Wednesday, they were seven-and-a-half-point favorites because the Pistons had that rest disadvantage. This time around, it was six with Jaden Jade Abbey back. Obviously, the Hawks cruised to a cover there, but that sort of tells you a little bit about the expectations for this game. The Hawks were supposed to win it. They did, but they were certainly more convincing than you might have thought coming into the night. As for the game itself, we'll get into it now, but uh, the offense was really, really good the entire way. It was a strong start. They scored on three, three or four, four possessions of this game, and the only miss even on that run was a wide-open three by John Collins that he, that he usually, usually sort of makes more often than not, just kind of rattled in and out. But Trey and DeJounte were both, both getting where they wanted to really the entire game, getting their spots, playing very comfortably, very assertively. Um, lots of positivity from Travis Schlenk about DeJounte Murray in particular on the broadcast. Um, in fact, DeJounte made his first four shots, had 10 points in about four and a half minutes throughout the game. A couple, a couple, a couple of uh, sort of contested threes. He was definitely feeling it at the outset of this game. He cooled off a little, but he was very, very good throughout this game. Also, those 10 points for DeJounte in the first five minutes were 10 points in a row for the Hawks at that stage. Um, defensively, they were pretty active, I thought. They weren't necessarily executing the best, and the foul stuff was really a theme throughout this game. I'm glad it wasn't closer because we heard a lot more about the officiating, I think, during and after the game. I know the Hawks fans were not really enjoying themselves. I think, again, the officiating was not fantastic here, and it was very whistle-happy in the first half. And uh, even the Pistons, I saw James Edwards from The Athletic, who covers the Pistons, even saying in the first half that he thought the Pistons got a pretty friendly whistle. I would agree with that, um, just as a neutral party here. Um, regardless, though, um, there was flying around activity-wise on defense early in the game. Rotationally, no big surprises in this one. It was the early sub for Capella in both halves and bringing him back in a little bit earlier in the third. Uh, sorry, in the first and the third, as they have been doing recently to kind of pair him with Trey. I like that, generally speaking, so no, no complaints here. And uh, for the most part, it was the same nine. They did, as we'll get to in a second, get to A.J. Griffin a little bit in the competitive portion. He played, he played about three minutes and uh, showed a little bit, but I think it was at least encouraging that they're always trying to get him out there. Um, for comparison's sake, if you're not listening to the podcast every night, I definitely encourage you to do so. But I try not to talk about this all the time. But last year, they just kind of ignored Jalen Johnson. And it was much easier to do that, even though he's a first-round pick, a talented guy, because they had Collins and Gallinari ahead of him. Whereas this time around, number one, without bogey, A.J. has a much cleaner claim to playing time and also i think it's a good idea even if you're not going to put him in the rotation full stop as the hawks have not done so far getting him a few minutes in every half is pretty doable or at least a few minutes in every game if you want to just try and get some experience and the shooting is the shooting and he's really dynamic there so anyway that, that didn't happen a ton in this game 
but he did play his first uh, first half minutes of the season. So the Hawks had a 7-0 run um, quickly to go up by seven, gave, gave seven right back, though. They brought Capella back in after the timeout, sort of stabilized things a little bit more. Um, Clint does have some finishing issues, which, which, which we'll come back to in a second, but uh, that was definitely popping up in the first half of this one. It was a nice drive and finish from Jalen Johnson. I thought it was at least worth it, worthy of taking note of late in the first quarter. Um, but basically got ahead of steam, got it going downhill, used his burst and his size to finish through contact and effectively – and then Trey had a great floater with about two seconds left in the first quarter and uh, the, put the Hawks up by six points. So it was a pretty good opening quarter, generally speaking, about a 130 offensive rating. They shot 14 of 23 from the floor. Uh, Trey and Ajante were both in double figures at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and then defensively, the Pistons actually shot the ball very, very poorly in the first quarter. They were 0 of 7 from 3, although they got to the line 11 times. That was a theme we'll come back to in a second, and only one turnover. So it wasn't perfect, but the Hawks were up by six, and their only really shaky quarter of the entire game was to come in the second. But before we get to that and a much more positive second half and some takeaways, et cetera, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're looking for a DFS option this year for the NBA or anything else, your morning app, Prize Picks, is here for you. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. It's so very easy to use, which is a huge plus. I can vouch for that also. I've been playing on there for a while at Prize Picks and across sports, really, and it's really, uh, really enjoyable for me to go through the daily grind of going through all the numbers. And all you have to, pick, all you have to do is pick two to five players and a more or less on a certain number of points or assists, or rebounds, or all other stats you might be looking for in the NBA or elsewhere, because they are in different sports as well. And with 10 times in any entry, 10 times on any entry, it's a lot of uh, upside, let's say. And you're not going against other people either. It's actually, I guess, you you versus the projections. And Prospex offers the numbers that you're looking for on any sport that you might enjoy. That includes the NBA and college basketball, WNBA, NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA. They have boxing, they have cricket, and much more. And an entry can be done just a minute or less. It's just that easy and that quick. They also have safe and fast withdrawals of prize picks, and they're operating in more than 30 states by now, which also includes Georgia, as well as they are in Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com, sign up, play daily fantasy sports. First time users can also get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. $50, they'll match it up to, up to $100. So any number between 1 and 100, they will match it up to 100% of that number if you use the promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it all out now at PrizePix. All right, we'll dive into the second quarter now. And as I mentioned before the break, it was the roughest quarter for the Hawks by a pretty wide margin in this game. They ended up losing it 38 to 34. Um, it was DeJounte and the bench unit, and that unit has not worked very well this season so far. It was kind of the same, at least a little bit in the first portion of the second quarter, although it was better than it has been. Um, there was actually a nice stretch with a nice feed from Justin Holiday to a Kongwu for a layup, and then Aaron Holiday a three-point play on a circus layup. And the Kongwu had a great time, had much more success against Jalen Duran in the head-to-head matchup than he did on Wednesday. I think notably on Wednesday, they kind of had to have Capella bail them out a little bit because the Kongwu was struggling pretty badly against Duran. That was not the case in this game. He played, he played much better, I thought, more active. More, phys- more physicality from Akanyeka, and that was a good performance from him, generally speaking. As I mentioned before, AJ Griffin appeared for 240 in the second quarter, um, his first appearance in the first half of the game this season. He immediately got two fouls. One of those was like pretty soft. I did like that Nate didn't pull him because there's no reason to do that. Like foul trouble with guys not going to play a lot of minutes. It doesn't really matter. He had a great um, sort of smooth jump shot and then a great step back going to his left um, for a three. 
AJ isn't going to make every shot he takes, even though right now he kind of is. Um, but he does profile as a fantastic shooter, maybe even an elite guy um, in the near future. So not surprising he's going to make that he's going to make making some shots. But um, you know his his gravity definitely pops off the screen, and I am in favor of playing him um, as much or more than he had in this game. So um, anyway, they brought Murray out. Actually, they played Griffin a couple minutes with the starters, basically in in, in place of Dejounte to kind of facilitate some of that stuff. They had been playing Dejounte in two long stints per half. In this game, it was three because of that Griffin hiatus. I'm not sure that's going to be a play moving forward, but that was notable to me. Offensively, they were pretty crisp for a lot of the first, uh, second quarter, but the, the defense was not. The defense scored 22 points in the first seven minutes of the second quarter. Um, there was a weird challenge from Nate that he lost. Um, I don't want to make too much of these, but I always like to know when the challenges happen. Um, Collins was called for a pretty strange offensive foul when he was like already laying on the ground and somebody tripped over him. Um, there was no real leverage, though. I know this is kind of hard to explain sometimes, but um, you only get one challenge, and if you take it and burn it at a bad time, that's not a great situation. And really, the leverage was pretty bad here because even if they had won the challenge, by the way, they lost the challenge anyway, but even if they won the challenge, I would say the same thing. It's a bad challenge because there were no points scored on the play. Yes, it was Colin's second foul, but it wasn't his third foul. It was late It was late in the first half. That was not a huge situation where it was like a big deal. I just kind of a weird challenge that you don't necessarily love to see. But anyway, it's one of those things. Um this is cut it down, cut it down a one at one point. Uh, Hunter got a third foul with about four minutes to go and came out. He and Nate were both frustrated pretty visibly with that. And Justin Holiday came in he got, and he got a pretty bogus blocking call against Bogdanovich for his fourth foul. So the two small forwards had seven fouls with like time left in the first half at that point. And the Pistons took 23 free throw attempts in the first 22 minutes to 25 in the first half. That is an off the charts number for a Hawks team that does not foul a lot. Um, some teams are like, predisposed to fouling the Hawks are not a high foul team maybe maybe more so this year with more aggressiveness at the point of attack that's possible but you don't really see that many fouls from this Hawks team very often that was notable to me as I mentioned before the uh officiating was not my favorite in the first half of this game then uh, my last thing on the first half was that I will flag this uh Capella has uh his shooting and finishing issues now Everyone listening to this podcast, if you're a new listener, maybe you don't know this, but if you're a returning listener, you do know this. I'm very high on Clint. I think Clint is very valuable, especially defensively with a screen setting on offense, et cetera. But he, has, he does have some finishing issues at this point in his career. He used to be a fantastic finisher. That as he gets a little bit older, that's not, it's not necessarily been the positive that uh, recently. He did have one, finally, that he made off a beautiful pass by Trey Young um, in the final minute of the first half. And by the way, for some context, Bob Rathbun, again, for the podcast, from the podcast did say on the broadcast tonight that he actually spoke to Clint who told him he's not, he's not quite have his full legs at this point early in the season. Now that's not like alarming to me. It can be good. And that maybe he gets those things back last year. He kind of found it at some point, um, but it can, it could be that he's a little bit older. Maybe it's not going to come all the way back. There's a little bit of a good or good or bad there. But as we saw on Wednesday, Click is still capable of being a very, very good player. He was dominant in the second half in the game on Wednesday. But it is notable that his finishing has not quite arrived yet this season. Now, he did start poorly and then finish strong. He, met, he missed his first four shots tonight, made his last two. Um, but, you know, his, it's never been a, a huge strike of him, like, a, um, away from the rim. But um, those, five, those four or five footers are not going down for him. When he dunks it, it's more aggressive and all that stuff, but it is something to at least note, even though I am I am high on Capella. It can be frustrating. I think that's one of those things we talked about a lot last season is that fans get frustrated with Capella because the shots that he misses are memorable because they are bunnies, and that kind of sticks people's minds. It kind of overshadows that he's actually really good at a lot of different things. But here we are, same, same story, different season, I, I suppose, at this point in time. Anyway, kind of a weird half. Again, the offense was really good the entire time. 
They have 40 points in the paint in the first half. That's a ton. Trey had 23 at the halftime break, but the Pistons only had three turnovers in the first half and 25 free throw attempts, and uh, that kind of puts you in a weird spot. So, by the way, Kate Cunningham, 27 points in the first half. The Hawks had all kinds of issues with Cade in this one, whether it was Justin Holiday, whether it was Jonte Murray, whether it was DeAndre Hunter. The first half, they had no answer at all for Kate Cunningham. It improved after that, uh, basically because of the combination of those guys and Aaron Holiday getting up into him a little bit more. But uh, first half, it was kind of a mess on that end of the floor. Anyway, uh, second half, spoiler alert, was much better. A 67 to 45 second half. That's uh, much, much better, obviously. Um, the Pel- Actually, Houston went oh, sorry, Houston. Detroit went up a little bit, actually, in the, at the beginning of the third quarter. But then the Hawks had their first big run of the game, an 11-0 run to tie the game. Um, sorry, to have it go from tied to up 11 they had assists on the first five buckets of the second half. Pistons didn't score for about three and a half minutes at that point in time. There was a big dunk from Capella off a Trey pass, a couple of threes from Hunter and Trey, and then a fantastic find from Trey to John Collins for a layup. At that point, by the way, Trey had 26 and 10 with 20 minutes left in the game. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. Collins defensively changed the game in that in that portion of the game as well. I think all the season long, really, defensively, he's been really, really good so far. That was a particularly strong stretch from John defensively. Um, Hunter had his fourth foul with like seven minutes to go in the third quarter. They went to Justin Holiday, who was better in the second half. But the big thing off the bench for me anyway in the third quarter was Aaron Holiday. Aaron was very good for about a three-minute stretch. He had seven straight points, a couple of buckets off the bounce. One of them was pretty funny in that Travis Schlenk on the broadcast was kind of saying as it was happening that it was not really Aaron's game to go off the dribble and like create floaters and all that kind of stuff, which is true. Travis is not wrong, but it happened twice in a row right then, which is kind of funny. And then he actually had a three on the, on the next possession. So Aaron Holiday has been quite good for the most part, and that was uh, nice to see from him. Um, they, they went up by 14 after Trey hit a very deep bomb three uh, late in the third quarter, and they went up by 12 at the end of the third. Um, Trey had 36 and 12 in the third quarter and never played again. He was on pace to have like a 45-15 kind of game. Like he was really, really cooking, and the Hawks just happened to pull away with him off the bench. Um, sorry, him on the bench, but they scored 37 points in the third. They were dominant, basically. Five of 10 from three in that period. They had 106 points on 76 possessions through three quarters. That is excellent. And uh, it wasn't over at that point, but it was over pretty quickly in the fourth quarter. They had the first six points of the fourth to go up by 18. And it was probably over when Jalen hit a three with like seven minutes to go to go up by 21. That was a good, confident, sweet stroke from Johnson on a corner three when he had to kind of shoot it decisively and quickly. He also had a nice drive later on in the game going to his left. Um, but out of a timeout, the Hawks scored the next four points. They're up by 25. It was a 49 to 24 run basically from the Hawks being tied to up by 25 and that was kind of it for the game actually being in doubt the stars never came back in which I was actually encouraged by Nate sometimes will push it a little bit harder than he needs to in my opinion to make sure the game is out of uh, sort of in control now DeJounte was on the floor still so he was in there a little bit longer than I probably would have left him in there but they didn't have to bring Trey back in or John back in or Clip back in which is really nice with the back-to-back looming on Saturday and uh, basically they went to Kaminsky and Tyrese Martin and Griffin at one point and then Trent Forrest came in that Krejci came in and it was a third unit basically at the end of the game uh, before things got uh, you know basically academic at the end of the contest all right we'll have uh, some takeaways in a moment including a lot of offensive headlines again a 140 offensive rating for the Hawks in this game but first a word from our show sponsors on today's pod all right, let's get into the takeaways from this one. Uh, offensive rating-wise, 140. That is just dominant no matter who you're playing against, basically. Detroit is not good defensively. I will be honest about that. Um, this is not the same as lighting up a team that's really good. Def- uh, this, is not, this is not Boston defensively. But 
you cannot fake a 140 offensive rating against an NBA team on the road. That all it, it all counts. Um, they shot 68% on twos. They had 68 points in the paint. That's a huge number. They were 12-29 for three. That's not a huge volume, but it certainly made they certainly made enough of them. 31 assists and seven turnovers as a team. That is excellent stuff. The two guys in the backcourt, Trey and DeJounte, had one combined turnover. That is unbelievably impressive. Um, and then a 35% offensive rebound rate as well. So basically across the board, you couldn't really find anything on offense that the Hawks did not do well in this game. So we'll leave it there for now on that end of the floor. Defensively, it was not quite as good, obviously. The second half, they held the Pistons to 45 points. In the fourth quarter, they had 32% from the floor. At five turnovers, as they basically just stopped scoring early in the fourth quarter. In the uh, second half, they shot under 40% from the floor with nine assists in the entire second half of this game. They still allowed 38 free throw attempts. That is way too many, although even there was a little bit tight whistle stuff in the first half. That's the only sort of black mark defensively on the general speaking of their profile. The rest of the fundamentals for the full game were totally fine. Rebounding, um, shot contesting, all that stuff looked pretty good. It's just that the free throw attempts kind of got out of hand in that first half, but uh, still pretty positive stuff along the way. Um, as for the individual player breakdowns, we're not going to do breakdowns of the guys who want to play the uh, garbage time minutes, so my apologies on all of that, but we'll get into the guys who did play right now. Um, AJ Griffin, again, six minutes, including a lot, you know three minutes of real time. Um, he did have 10 points on six, uh, four, six from the four, two or three from three. He made his first four shots. AJ, uh, the shooting is monstrous. I will say if you watch the film back, defensively there were some breakdowns in that three-minute stretch. Now, I don't want to overstate it either. It wasn't like he was the only one either, but uh, you're, that's probably what I can tell you. I'm not going to say this is the right thing because I still think I play him a little bit more. But if you're wondering why, I will keep saying this. It's not my fault. Just don't kill the messenger. That is why he's not going to play more right now, I think. If you're just trying to put yourself in Nick McMillan's shoes, I'm not saying that's the right thing, but knowing this coaching staff a little bit, that's probably the end of the floor that you're worried about if you're Nick McMillan. Anyway, offensively, he's obviously pretty dynamic at this stage, and the shooting is real. Uh, Justin Holiday did not play particularly well in this one. He was better in the second half, I will say that. He had four points on eight shots and three assists, which is good. Um, did have five fouls, and defensively in the first half, he was part of the problem, not part of the solution. Now, he was 0 of 6 from 3. I understand that's frustrating. And uh, I said this on Twitter, so I'll repeat myself here. Um, through these first five games, Aaron Holiday has been full stop better than Justin Holiday. Now, that is that is undisputedly true in my mind. If you watch all five games, as I have every minute of these games, Aaron's been better than Justin. Now, does that mean he's Aaron's better than Justin moving forward? I would still probably have to say no to that. Um, the way that I would frame it is that like if you put those two guys on the market um, together before the season started, I'm confident that most, if not all, teams would have rather had Justin than Aaron. Aaron signed for the veteran minimum on a team that already had Trey Dejounte for a reason. Um, but so far, Justin has not made his jump shots. Now, I understand people have not watched a ton of Justin Holiday. If you're just a Hawks fan, I don't blame you for that. But the last six seasons, Justin Holiday has shot 37% from three on real volume. This is not a bad shooter. Now, I have been saying for a while on this show that the Hawks on that second unit don't have any knockdown shooters. That includes Justin Holiday. He's not, he's not a knockdown shooter, but he is a very competent three-point shooter. In this game, he was 0-6. For the season, he has struggled. I'm not going to say otherwise. Like, And maybe he's 33 years old. Maybe he's just going to be you know, cooked at this point. I'm not saying that's going to be the case. That's at least plausible to me at 33 years old. But uh, I'm going to play the averages and tell you that he's not a bad shooter because he's not he's not been a bad shooter basically ever. Now, two-point shooting, not a strength of Justin Holiday. But he has been a competent shooter for a while. I'm not panicking about three-point shooting. But defensively, he had, a, he had a rough moment or two against Kay Cunningham. And that was not a huge plus in this one. But the bench was good overall. He was on the floor for some of that stuff in this game. 
as the uh, as sort of aforementioned, Aaron Holiday was quite good in this one. 14 points, three assists, two steals, um, five, six from the floor, and made his only three point attempt of this one. Had another long jump shot as well. Um, yeah, he just played really well. He got into Cade and it kind of bothered him in the second half. Um, he was bothering Ivy when he was guarding Ivy at, at, at various points. Uh, he's going to be hot and cold. The numbers on Aaron Holiday have not been great so far this year until tonight, anyway. But uh, I think he has been a solid addition. And as way I've been saying it for a while is that for the minimum, that's a great find for the Hawks. I've liked that sign the entire way. He looked the part in this one. Jalen Johnson had a rougher first half, but was better in the second half. Had seven points, five rebounds, did have two assists. A couple of really good drives from Jalen. Um, Three-point shot, he made He made the only way he took. It was, a, it was a sort of a catch and shoot. Shot clock buzzer beater, but still a very good look there. Um, defensively hit and miss, let's just say, at this point. But I think that Jalen showed a lot of the flashes that you want to see from him in the second half of the game. And then Akongwu played very well. You know, I think he struggled a little bit on Wednesday. Tonight, no such struggle. 16 points in 22 minutes, 7 10 from the floor, 7 rebounds. Did have 5 of those on offense, so it wasn't like he was a great defensive rebounder. It's one of his strengths. Actually, sorry, one of his weaknesses. Travis Schleich even acknowledged that on the, on the broadcast, by the way. Travis, being the president of basketball operations, said basically that the last thing they're waiting on for Kongwu is defensive rebounding, which is the case. I think it's very obvious, but him saying it out loud does matter. Did have a steal and a block, though. I thought he played much better against Duran in this game. It was good, a good step forward from Onyeka. And then the starters. Um, two guys were quiet in this one. Uh, John Collins played well defensively, as I said before. I think he was very good defensively. He had three blocks, had a steal. He had 10 rebounds, all defensive. He did his job in this game. He only took four shots. Now, I want to see Collins take more shots than that. I want to see the Hawks feature him more. I'm not going to complain about that too much right now. He's been playing very well. but The numbers are the numbers, but I think he... He had four points, and if you didn't watch the game, you might think, oh, he didn't play that well. He played really well. I think he was really good in this game. Just didn't have a ton of opportunities on offense, which is okay. He's a team guy, plays within the system, and that was totally fine. Um, and then Capella, as I said before, the finishing issues were prevalent in the first half. Second half, he was really good again. Not as good as he was on Wednesday when he was like legitimately dominant in the second half, but he had five points, 11 rebounds, did have two blocks in 23 minutes, did not have to come back in the game. They played um, without Collins, Capella, Hunter, or Trey in the fourth. So that was... Good to see. They were able to do that, put the game away, and have those guys get some rest in advance of tomorrow's game. Hunter was foul-plagued the entire game, but had 12 points in 18 minutes, two rebounds and an assist. He was just okay. The fouls, like, I think at least one of them was pretty soft, but, uh, you know, he's got to figure out figure out something, something else because he fought on a Wednesday. Like, that's, I'm not going to say it's a problem, but in this matchup, for whatever reason, he was having some issues, but I think he was generally fine. And then the backcourt was awesome. Uh, DeJounte in the first half in particular was fantastic. 26 points, including 10 in the first quarter, five assists, four rebounds, 32 minutes, just a complete game across the board for him. Defensively, he did struggle like everybody else did in the first half with Kate Cunningham, but uh, other than that, really positive. And then Trey was just ridiculous in three quarters. Again, he did not play at all in the fourth. Had 36 points, 12 assists, one turnover. DeJounte had zero turnovers, by the way, which is also really impressive. Um, Trey got to the line for 10 attempts, made eight of them, four, six from three. He was eight of 14 on twos, just across the board dominance. He got wherever he wanted to in this game. And uh, that's kind of the upside that Trey brings to the table when he is cooking, and he definitely was cooking in this one. Okay, that is all I have on the individual stuff in this game. Um, big picture, the Hawks go to Milwaukee for Saturday's game. Um, the Bucks, as I record this, are up 15 with four minutes to go. I'm going to assume they're going to win that game against the Knicks, so they'll be coming in with an undefeated record. Um, the Hawks will have their first chance to knock off a good team. In fact, this is the first time the Hawks have played a good team this season. Now, they lost to the Hornets. The Hornets have been playing pretty well this year, but if you look at the Hornets roster, I still don't believe that they're very good. And by the way, they lost by 20 to the Magic tonight. So, uh, so basically, we knew this going in. The first five games of the season were pretty soft. 
for the Hawks. They didn't play a good team yet. They went four and one. That is called taking care of business. It's what they it's what they had to do. Um, I was saying I was saying for since the schedule came out, like five and zero is probably too aggressive to expect. Four and one was not unreasonable, and they went four and one. They've done a good job there. Now, for the first time, it's the first back to back of the year. That's a tough scene. It's also a travel back to back. Now, Milwaukee played tonight, but they are actually not having to travel anywhere, so that's an advantage for them. Plus, they're in their home building. Um, we'll see, and you know, barring some sort of absence for Giannis or Drew or something like that, I think the Hawks are going to be underdogs in the game on Saturday. It's worth noting that Chris Middleton is not playing for the Bucks, so they're not quite the same team because Middleton is their you know top three guy, an all-star level wing. So that's a weakness of the Bucks right now, but they've been playing very well so far this season. So And Giannis is always tough, tough to deal with. So a real challenge for the Hawks for the first time. I know they have a loss in their resume, but uh, an on-paper challenge now for the Hawks on Saturday and uh, still a really, really strong start to the season at 4-1, and one, even with the hiccup against Charlotte. Also, after the Milwaukee game, they will have uh, two more games on the road. They have to play um, in Toronto on Monday, on Halloween, and then they go, to, they go to New York on Wednesday. So a very long road trip, but uh, already uh, 2-0 on the trip, 4-1 and overall, and in a very strong position. So um, if you missed it, um, I always cover every game on this podcast beyond the games as well. If you're a first-time listener, it'd be great if you subscribe to the show. We do uh, analysis with other with, with guests on the show. I have frequent guests. I have occasional guests. I have people you might recognize, people you might not may, might not recognize. But we have smart people that, uh, that I try to get on the podcast all the time. Also, some solo mailbag stuff, solo game breakdowns. We'll have more in the future on all of those fronts. We'll have a new podcast after the game on Saturday as well. So please take a moment if you enjoy the podcast to subscribe across platforms. Honestly, if you want to help the show, subscribe on multiple podcast platforms and download multiple times. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, all those places, and then YouTube as well. Let it run. However you want to do that, um, subscribe, like, share, comment, review, all that fun stuff. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you would like to at BT Roland with a W. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again after the game on Saturday.